welcome back guys to another episode of hey bub outdoors we're excited to share today spring is here the birds are singing uh here the turkeys are starting to gobble the fish are starting to bite and uh, we're really excited that march is here it's come in like a lamb and we hope it goes out like a lamb uh, because we got a lot of activities we're looking forward to this spring got a special guest with us today he is a dear friend of mine uh jordan aka jordy miller Jordan, good to have you with us, Bob. Hey, thanks for having me, Adam. Yeah. Well, this is going to be really natural because Jordan and I, uh, man, if you could log our phone minutes over the last uh, 10 years, it would be copious amounts of, of minutes have gone into conversations about life, about God, about kids, a lot about hunting and fishing. And today we have Jordy on to talk about mushroom hunting. He's one of the best mushroom hunters I know. And uh, he looks at the outdoors from a really unique perspective. I, I just love spending time with Jordy and I know you're going to enjoy it first. I want to share how I really got to know Jordan. Okay. So I'll take you back to 2010. There was a deer that I, that I was chasing in 2010 that I just had my heart set on. I had seen this deer five or six times never could close the deal on it. I was always so close. And, uh, it was, um, uh, it was a tragedy what it was for me. Anyways, it was great for the guy across the property line, but this deer got shot right in front of me and uh, I was just heartbroken. Uh, it, it was, I think it was all legal. The neighbor, the neighbor, uh, was just hunting right there on the line. And I was probably 80 yards off the line or so, but I saw this deer kind of crash in the water in front of me. I heard the shot. Anyways, I was heartbroken, and I met this guy named Jordan at a men's ministry uh, there in Southern Indiana, where Jordan's from. And uh, so I, I start talking to him about it, and I was heartbroken. He's like, hey, I got a lot of deer on me this year. Why don't you come up and hunt on me? So I was like, what kind of guy is this? This guy just, and he had already killed a, a real nice, I think about 140 inch, 145 inch 10 pointer. Uh, he invited me and put me in his best stand. I had a great sit that morning. I'll never forget, Jordy. You, you kind of took me halfway to the stand. You showed me how to get there. Saw a great big giant six-pointer. And uh, that was one of my first impressions of Jordy. But one of the things I've gotten to know about him since then is he shares the outdoor experience. And he's genuinely a selfless hunter, Jordan. That's how I describe you, bub. And I really appreciate you coming on. We're going to talk about mushroom hunting today. and and uh, But... Jordan, I, I, just kind of to frame people kind of where you're at, will you tell us a little bit about uh, where you used to live? I know you, you hunted there mostly on old coal uh, strip mine ground, and now recently you've moved to another property. You just want to share a little bit about your background on mushroom hunting and kind of how things have had to change and shift for you over the last two years? Yeah, yeah, Adam. Uh, so I spent, I spent most of my life uh, living – living around and, and hunting and fishing on old strip mine ground and, and we continue we still we still have uh, some property that we that we mushroom hunt fish and hunt on that strip strip mine ground but uh so that's where I spent most of my time most of my uh, mushroom spots were you know go to the same place every year didn't have to really work too hard for it um but it, it was you know it was, it was good um but recently like a like you said we just uh we just purchased 15 acres here about a year and a half ago and it's a little bit different a little bit more of uh, your southern indiana hardwoods and uh I will, i'll say last spring was quite a challenge on finding the morels <laughs> i went in with the with an open mind thinking i was really gonna 
really going to find them, and I, it's, I didn't find very many. So, well, Jordy, uh, just to kind of uh, get folks started. It, so, last year, how did you approach? All right, this is a new place. Were there certain trees you were looking for? Was there certain kind of habitat that you started keying in on? And then where did, eventually did you start to find uh, the morels last year? Yeah, so to start with, you know, I kind of took the same approach what I what I usually do um, with my some of my more traditional spots. And, you know, I, I always tend to find uh, my mushrooms on uh, either, you know, east, east facing slopes or south, south facing slopes. That's pretty, I mean, or, you know, early season, that's where the sun's hitting the most <clears throat> on your south slopes or, yeah, south facing slopes. So that's kind of where I started and sycamore trees, whether it's an indicator tree or mushrooms really do grow around them, that's where I've, I've tended to find them in the past. Um, some maple trees, silver maples, I've found mushrooms around those in the past. Um, so that's, you know, with the new property, that's kind of where I started. Um, I, I worked, worked kind of the high ground looked around, looked down some of the creek bottoms, and that's where I eventually ended up finding the majority of the, of the mushrooms was down around the sycamore trees down in the creek bottoms. Yeah. Yeah, the old bottom ground. I hear a lot, too. I mean, you hear everybody has their, you know, their technique on where they look and what trees they look for. A lot of guys say deadfall. Have you, have you noticed a lot around deadfall as well, or are you looking around live trees mostly? Uh, you know, I've heard I've heard a lot of people talk about uh, dead dead trees, but uh, you know, in the past, a lot of the a lot of the trees that I've found them around are just I don't know, just bigger sycamore trees, really. And uh, you know, the, at the old place I used to hunt, we had this big maple tree, and I don't know, you know, it was it was, a, it was an old growth maple, and we we found hundreds of yellow mushrooms, big yellow mushrooms, every year around the tree until the last couple of years when we had a big uh, storm come through in March and it kind of broke that tree up a little bit and allowed more of the sun to come in and quit finding them. So we find a few, but nothing like we had in the past. So that was kind of kind of hard to lose a spot like that, but it just goes to show you, you know, how, as, your, uh, as your habitat changes, so are your, your mushrooms are gonna change a little bit too. Absolutely. So, well, I hope, I hope, you know, as you continue to learn that property, Jordy, that, that, uh, if you start seeing any more, you know, reoccurring, uh, patterns that, that you can pass those things along. Um, the cool thing about Jordy is I could bring him on and he could talk about a number of things. I, I, Jordy, but just to break a little bit, we need to bring you back on in the fall. I want to hear the story of, of, uh, Buck Norris. Jordy, Jordy just had such an attachment to, to the property there at his old place. He, he uh, knew that thing inside and out. And so, uh, and I, you kind of hinted at it, Jordy, you know, when, when it comes to mushroom hunting, there's some people that are really good mushroom hunters because uh, they, they see reoccurring patterns. And I think you're one of those. Uh, but then there's other people, and all of us are like this too. There's other people that are really good mushroom hunters because they, they've got good spots. They, they just know where they're growing. You know what I mean? And um, so to help people maybe who want to get interested in, in mushroom hunting, uh, tune in to everything Jordy's already said, because it's going to be just looking for reoccurring patterns. That's going to be key in, in helping you find, uh, you know, the good spots where you can keep going year in and year out. Jordy, the, the last few years, though, haven't been as good. You want to share why you think these last couple of years have been pretty, pretty tough on mushroom hunting? 
I, I mean, personal opinion, I think a lot of it has to do with this, the swing, the huge swings in the weather that we've seen. I mean, uh, I think it was two years ago, we had snow in April. And, you know, whenever, whenever you're trying to get that soil temperature up to get those mushrooms to start popping, and then, it, then you get, you know, an inch of snow in April, well, that kind of, that kind of drives things back down. And then two weeks later, it's 80 degrees. So, you know, it's just the mushroom season is such a short window anyway. And to get those huge swings in the weather, I think it's just, it, it's been really hard on, you know, getting your huge growth, you know, your huge growths in mushrooms, like, like we've seen, in, you know, historically in southern right. in Indiana and Illinois. Right. Uh, that's that's my opinion. I don't know. We've had a bunch of snowfall here in, in uh, what well, we did in February uh, here in uh, southern Illinois, southern Indiana. And Matt had a bunch of snowfall, too, out there in PA this year. What do you think the benefits are? I know there's a lot of theories about good snow means good mushroom hunting. What do you think of some of the benefits of having uh, good snowfall before mushroom season? I think just getting that moisture in the ground. I mean, and getting just getting that ground ready and prep for that that warm spring sun that's going to hit it and get those mushrooms popping. I think that's one thing we've lacked um, in years past. You know, especially here recently, is we've we've not had the moisture going in to mushroom season, and then we've we've had those really hot temperatures, and those things just aren't good for for growing mushrooms. So, yeah. all opinions. No, no scientific data to back that up, but, you know, it's, uh, especially the ground that I hunt, you know, a lot of that, that strip mine ground, it's, that's kind of starved for moisture anyway, and you don't, so, yeah. Adam, you were saying you, you liked, you liked a big snowfall because it flattens the leaves down. Yeah, I, I feel like it helps visibility, so, you know, uh, Jordy and I talked about this last year. I remember, I remember the mushrooms were up and I mean, I, and I, we were, we were talking before we started, I have a spot that's really good for big black mushrooms and uh, early season. And I, last year I would stand in one spot and I would find a few, but then I would just have to linger. It felt like for 10, 15 minutes. And I would just, I'd be standing in the same place. And it was like, it took forever for me to pick them up. And usually it, it, I would see them quicker, but because of, because there wasn't any snowfall, all the leaf litter was still fluffy and it hadn't been flattened down by the weight of the snow. And I, if I'm remembering right, that spot, it's usually, I remember three years ago, I was telling them I found a bunch of really big ones and it was like, they were just sticking up all over the hill and I didn't have any trouble seeing them. And I think last year that leaf litter was so, so fluffy still, it, it made it really difficult to see them. Jordy, have you, have you experienced that too? That's a big rain. That's one of my favorite times to go out is when, uh, when everything's real damp and I, I feel like it, it really makes the mushrooms pop. I mean, as far as going to see them, you know, right. so I think probably the snow probably had the same, same effect. Yeah. Yeah, Adam. I was going to ask you. You know, um, you always talk. You always talk to me about finding those black mushrooms early. What kind of what kind of trees are you finding those around? Is there like a is it a lot of poplars? I've heard of like the, the black mushrooms like come up around poplars. None of my spots really have blacks. So yeah. So this the this spot is actually a it's a weird spot. It's a northeast facing slope, which doesn't make a lot of sense. 
But uh, actually, one of the spots where we found black ones as kids, Matt, back behind the house, was actually a north-facing slope, too. Real steep slope with, with limestone sticking out on it. Mm-hmm. But this is kind of a similar spot. It's a, it's a pretty big hole, um, and it's a northeast-facing slope. And it's got, I mean, it, it is a hole. Everything kind of drains down in the same spot. Uh, but there are three uh, dying elm trees and probably four or five that are still living. And that's, those are the main species. And it's just on the slope. You get on top of the hill and it's white oak and I don't find any, but in the slope and down towards the bottom, that's where I find all the black ones. And then, but it's just that patch, every, everything else there on that, on that farm where I find uh, the rest of my mushrooms, Jordy are yellow ones. And, and they grow on the other side, they grow on the, uh, south facing slope but in terms of of the black ones for whatever reason it's that it's weird there's just dynamics there i don't know if it's the thermals and how that area holds moisture or what but it it is the northeast slope that i find those black ones interesting yeah i wonder if on maybe a year that there's not as much moisture those areas are going to hold better so it's going to produce more mushrooms and then on areas where it's a lot of moisture you're probably going to have more success on a south facing slope, even higher on that slope because it's going to hold moisture for a little bit longer. If we're getting a lot of snow, like we have been, like we still have, we probably got until this past week, we had a foot of snow on the ground. that seemed like it was just holding for so, so long, which is very rare, but I wonder how that's going to affect them this year. I think that's right, Matt. This area does have water that flows down at the bottom. And I, I really do think it that, and every time you mushroom hunt there, you know, I'm kind of like, even though, even though there aren't many people that hunt that, I, I'm kind of sneaky. I like to le- not try to leave any footprints and stuff. And it's impossible on that hillside because your feet just sink in. The soil is real rich. And, um, yeah, it holds moisture pretty well. So, Jordy, you do something that's really interesting. And I, I want to put a little context to this. I, I told everybody at the beginning that you, uh, you're an outdoorsman that's selfless. And, for as long as I've known you, you will go out and you will find mushrooms and you will leave them. And now, before it was you'd leave them, uh, you know, to see how much they grow. But now you leave them and then you bring your kids back with you so they can pick them. And you, you take them right to it. You, you want to make that, you know, such a, a uh, positive experience for the kids that you, uh, you know, you, you do all the legwork and then they show up and, and they get to experience the fruit of it. But there's a theory out there that once you see the mushroom, once you find it, that's the size it's going to be. Is that true? And how have you, how have you proven whether that's true or not true? Well, you know, uh, you know, I've, I've been blessed to, to have places that were right beside my house where I didn't have to worry necessarily about anybody sneaking in and, and taking them. So I, I've been able, I've been able to, you know, kind of, kind of test those theories and, and see, you know, how much they grow and, and to be able to let them go and take my kids back there and get them, you know? Um, but yeah, it, I've, so I've, I've watched them grow just by, you know, putting sticks beside them. Um, that's one, that's one way simple as that, or I've even a couple on different occasions, put water bottles over the top of them and had them uh, grow into the water bottle a little bit, not, you know, not filling the thing up by any means, but so those, those are just a couple of fun things I've done over the years to, to kind of test that. Cause I've always, you know, you, it's always been a myth that mushrooms just pop up overnight, whatever the size, but I mean, come on, like a nine inch mushroom. Do you, you really think that just 
bust through the ground. And it's a, you know, you got a nine inch yellow morel. I don't know. Yeah. I always sudden, had a hard time. Biting. Here we go. <laughs> it's, it's out. <laughs> yeah. I had a hard, always had a hard time biting on that one. So I thought, you know, I was like, well, I'll just check it out. So that's what I did. And, yeah. and we've had a lot of fun doing it over the years. Yeah. That's but, cool. um, you know, as far as, as far as my kids go and, you know, and leaving mushrooms like that and taking them back here, I, there, there's a part of me that so badly wants them to be hunters and fishermen and, you know, and, and out, outdoorsmen. And, and that's just, to me, if I want them to have the best experience possible, that's, I want to take them back there and I want them to find a mushroom, you know, because it, to me, picking a mushroom is just, oh, it's just so whatever. But, you know, to them, picking a big old yellow mushrooms, yeah, that's what it's all about. So, yeah. For a kid, I remember as a kid, just like so excited, and we found tons of them. But when you're little, it's different. When you when you set eyes on that first one, it's just nice right there, right for the picking. Let out hoots and hollers. It's a great feeling. Jordy, you're you're incredibly patient with your with your kids too. I, I've seen how you father, and you know they might step on some, they might trip over others. <laughs> but you, you, uh, you're so good with them. Like, what's the key? What's the key? You know, what, what's your objective when you're out there with them? What are you thinking about? Is it just about the mushroom hunting or what's the bigger, what's the bigger picture? I, I wish, <clears throat> I wish that were true all the time, Adam. That, <laughs> oh man. You know, I, I try to, I try to always be my, you know, I had a really good uh, example in my dad. He was so patient with me um, growing up. He drug me, he drug me fishing hunting I, I just I remember so many I mean I missed so many deer growing up and my dad would always put me in the best spots you know and every night there was one night bow hunting I know this is kind of getting a little bit off subject but I it was my first year bow hunting I think I was like 10 or 11 and my dad put me in this old wooden tree stand and it was it was definitely the best spot on the place and there's just doe after doe filing through and I fired at least six arrows out of my quiver and he gets he gets there to pick me up, and he's like, "See anything?" I was like, "Oh yeah, Dad. oh yeah, I think I got one. I'm pretty sure I got one." And so we start looking. We spent like an hour looking for my arrows, and he, I was telling him where all I shot at deer, and we ended up we ended up finding my arrows, and they were all in a group about like this big, <laughs> and I had there wasn't a single hair on any one of those arrows, you know. <laughs> but you know, my dad he. My dad was just so patient. He, you know, the very next night, he put me back up there. He probably had to go buy new broadheads for me. But so I had, you know, and he was like, yeah, you know, hunting, fishing, mushroom hunting, whatever. He was just, he just always set a really good example as far as being patient. Um, so, like I said, I'd like to say that I'm, I'm a real patient dad all the time. It's, <laughs> that's not, that's not the case at all. But uh, as far as, you know, their experience in the outdoors, you know, fishing, mushroom hunting, whatever. I want it to be, like I said, there's a part of me that it so badly wants them to enjoy that and love that like I do. And yeah. if I make it a bad experience for them by being, you know, by yelling or being impatient with them, then they're not going to want to go do that with me. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. When you think about it, like there's a huge expectation, especially when you're hunting, like for an animal that you know, this, especially if your dad is real passionate about something you want to one, make him happy, but you also, that you're taking the life of an animal. So you don't want to mess that up. So it's kind of like a fragile moment as a father, I imagine to, to be encouraging to them. And that time is probably 
crucial because otherwise it could be a, a deal breaker on whether or not they ever want to do that thing again. So yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah. Jordy, Jordy's been that way, not just mushroom hunting, but uh, youth hunts. Jordy, you've taken so many kids hunting. In fact, the last two years, you hadn't even hunted yourself. And he, this guy loves to hunt as much as anybody else I know. Uh, but family's always been a huge priority for him. And, and this, is, this is what this is all about. Because, you know, I, I believe that if we really want to find life, we give it away. I mean, if anyone wants to save his life, you're going to lose it. You know, so we could, we could kill the biggest bucks in the world. We could find all the you know, biggest mushroom patches. But really, that doesn't mean anything. You know, we find life when we give it away. I mean, that's what Jesus teaches us, you know. And, Jordy, you've modeled that for me, not only towards me, but I see it with your kids. I see it the way you sacrifice time with the youth. And I, um, the reason why I want to highlight that is because we need more people like you. You know, pride becomes such a, such a stumbling block for so many hunters because they want their cheesy grin behind, you know, 180-inch deer. When that's not what it's about, you can kill 180-inch deer. You're a really good deer hunter, too. Uh, but this is about, like, how can we make a difference in the lives of others? And you're modeling that so well, man. So, yeah. Cool. That's really cool. Well, Adam, I, I, feel like you're, uh, I feel like you're giving me more credit than I, I deserve, <laughs> but I – I, I appreciate you. Uh, uh, I appreciate everything you're saying, but yeah. I, uh, yeah. You're humble too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well guys, we're, we're just now kicking off all of the, um, the mushroom hunt. We're going to be getting, doing some live season updates. We're going to do uh, a couple episodes this spring on mushroom hunting and uh, Jordy, we'd love to have you back on again uh, as the year goes on. I think you and I are going to be in the turkey woods together this spring. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, maybe we'll be able to bring some people along on the, on those hunts. I think it'll be a lot of fun. But thanks for being who you are, man. Thanks for thanks for being a woodsman. Thanks for being a man of God. And you, you're making a difference in a lot of lives. So thanks for being on, bro. Hey, Any final I questions? I to say to you, Adam, there's – I was going to say there's, uh, you know, anybody that's just getting into the, uh, as far as mushroom hunting, there's so many good resources on, on you know, what, what kind of trees to find, you know, find mushrooms around, um, YouTube videos on guys, you know, tree identification. That's so huge when it comes to finding morels. Yeah. So if, if you're somebody who's new, um, there's so many good resources, better than me, <laughs> to, to point you in the right direction as far as, uh, just find you know find them rails so yeah matt any final questions uh, well i was just i was just gonna say um one of the things i think is really difficult even from season to season is once you initially kind of retrain your eye to find them you, you then you really start to notice them but i think it can be difficult at first because they just camouflage so so well especially against that fluffy leaf litter like you were talking about like it can be just so hard to pinpoint <laughs> as you're showing off your stick there yeah you want to show so us that true. again bring that back over yeah it's my mushroom on stick yeah deer yeah. antler maybe like a dremel tool something like that it's got got a place here to measure how big they are pretty cool it's legit i've right got now. that for me yeah but yeah, no, nothing else. I, I yeah. think it's a, it's a challenge initially, 
the ones yeah. you can learn for them. Yeah. Well, guys, thanks a bunch for joining today on Hey Bub Outdoors. Next week, we're going to be diving back into springtime activities. So be sure to join us next week. Thanks a bunch for being here today. You guys have a great day. Mm-hmm.